Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm Rick Scotch, your host of the Scotch Parlor podcast, where we capture lifestyles and share stories of inspiring people that bring motivation, knowledge, and entertainment to our community. Life is good. Let's get started. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm Rick Scotch, your host of the Scotch Parlor podcast. We have Mr. Nick Olivero here today. He is the founder of Boxcar Theater and the creator of the Speakeasy. And I want to thank you for being here. I absolutely appreciate your time. Secondly, I want to say, wow, I was able, <laughs> I was able to see your show this past weekend of the Speakeasy. And I was amazed, entertained. It's a complete unique experience. And it's just, you know, it got me really excited to kind of get the idea of how you had this vision of creating this this experience and and again thank you for taking the time well thanks for coming and thanks for having me on here absolutely Um, absolutely and uh just before i before i pass on and let you give your intro i just let me just let my listeners know what i know of you i know you started uh boxcar theater Mm -hmm. back in 2005 yep and you've done about over 60 productions? Uh, yeah, I kind of lost track, but it's a, that sounds about right. Kind of about right. And then the cool thing is your productions are not your traditional theater settings, correct? It's, uh, it's so, uh, most of them aren't. Some of them, uh, I mean, I started with a kind of a traditional theater background. And I think space has always been interesting to me. Uh-huh. But uh, so I, I kind of have a background as a scenic designer as well. But uh, we did do some, I mean, we did Sam Shepard and Tennessee Williams and kind of more quote unquote contemporary classics. But even those, I tried to kind of find something interesting about them or, or a different way to present them. A lot of it came out of a, uh, a necessity to set ourselves apart differently from other theater companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, I, I come here as a small little black box theater and, uh, you know, Berkeley Rep and ACT are doing, sometimes they're doing the same shows or, you know, in different seasons. So, you know, they've got a lot of bigger budgets and uh, uh, larger reach. So uh, to set ourselves apart, I wanted to kind of look at what, what, how kind of find a niche. And a lot of that was a kind of physical representation, of either a scenic design or a space and uh, got people excited to come and see our work based mm-hmm. on that concept. And I think that's just kind of grown over the years, including the Speakeasy, which is now a very large set. Yeah, <laughs> it's a no, very abs- expensive and large set. Absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, in essence, what the Speakeasy is, it's you have back in Prohibition era, 30, about 35 characters are. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, I've, I've lost track of that too, but I think it's 35. They're about 35 characters and they're basically take you on a choose your own adventure type of path of experience through a night of theater yeah the so i think it's a really great uh, description so the um it's kind of hard for people to understand what the show is i've tried so many different descriptive terms i think recently <laughs> i'm saying are you familiar with westworld and okay. you go yeah it's kind of like westworld except the actors aren't robots and you're not you know you're not <laughs> supposed to kill them and you're not supposed to uh-huh. make them so it's like westworld meets boardwalk empire All right. kind of you know and and that kind of helps some people but but really the show is it's multiple rooms and it's really it's multiple plays that are happening simultaneously and i think on a a more technical level there's about six plays there's six rooms six plays that are happening and uh, the audience is free to move in and out of the plays and the characters are also moving in and out of these different plays and so it's uh, immaculately timed out that a character could leave play a and enter play B, and then eventually go to play C, back to play A, and then play D, and then play, you know, they just keep Mm, talking, they just keep going around. And the audience is free to follow a character and see their journey. They're free to stay in 
one room and just see, you know, kind of let the room wash over themselves or kind of ignore all of the theatrical components completely and do things like go to our casino, which has blackjack, craps, and roulette, where you can uh, gamble. And of course, it's for entertainment only. Mm-hmm. Or go to what, our second bar. We have two bars. One is a theatrical bar where the scenes are happening. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the Gas Lamp Lounge, which is really designed for people to kind of push pause on their own experience. The show's going to keep going, but they go, you know what? I'm going to go talk with my friends or mm-hmm. just get a drink and kind of hang out. And so a lot of people will go into that room, which is not a play at all. It's just Uh a room to hang out in. But we also do scenes in the bathroom and in stairwells. And we pull people into little tiny closets and have little one-on-ones. So those are not included in these six different plays. So the script itself is about 1,500 pages. And uh, the experience is about three hours or so. But if you were to kind of stretch it all out, it would probably be around, I don't know, 14 hours of material. It's kind of a rough est- estimation of, of if, if we did it from beginning to end, you know. Okay. You know people always say, like, if you, if you stretch it out, it wraps around the earth so many times. <laughs> like, that's our plan. It wraps okay. around time, 14 hours. But it all happens over three hours. Gotcha. So the audience okay. does whatever they want to do. Yeah. They go where they want to go. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. I mean, I experienced it and it was it was incredible. It was something I've never I've never experienced before. And you started, uh, you started in the bar. I started in the bar. So there's three different places you can start. Mm-hmm. So you started in the bar. You could also start in a casino. You can start in a cabaret. And you have a nice smile on your face, so I imagine you enjoyed yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you laughed. And who'd you, who did you come with? With my wife. Oh, you came with your wife. Yeah. So it's a gr- this show is incredibly great date night yes uh, it's a very, very romantic so. you guys got dearest up yes, yes yes my wife ended up making she's her in own, pearl, her yeah own, doing her own thing her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she loved it. She, loved she it. probably looked better than you yeah absolutely right yeah. they always the women always look better in that yeah. times so, you know did you, guys I, we, get your, did you get your photo taken at the man and i know we miss we did miss yeah. that but i'm a big hat person yeah, yeah so i was like all right cool i can wear my hat and it's official here, yeah you know what kind of hat is it this one this one i think this is a Gorn Brothers, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, Bailey's was my, Bailey's hat. Bailey's, yeah. yeah that was my I was going to say Gorn's. Yeah, no, we love Gorn Brothers. They're actually, they have a shop down the street from mm-hmm. us. And we just did, uh, for Pride, we did an LGBT night. Okay. And we did a uh, little happy hour. They have a basement that was kind of like a little uh, storage area. And we turned it into a speakeasy. So cool. we went down there and it was so cool. They loved it so much. They were like, hey, do you mind if we keep all this stuff up? He said, yeah, sure, sure. So now there's a speakeasy in Gorn Brothers really? in North Beach. Yeah, we're going to do a couple more events with them because we that's have so much cool. fun. I wear Gorn Brothers exclusively. Yo, see, that's cool. I and they're awesome hats. hats. They're, they're incredible the, hats. The, the, you got the butcher? The, uh, uh, the butcher. Uh, oh, the butcher. I got that one in orange. I oh, I have. I have a really. I have a black and a brown fedora, and uh, I have like this kind of like a wicker. It's my like tiki bar. I like okay. tiki bars. Okay. I got a pagan idol in Smuggler's Cove, and I like oh, my cool. little my little brown <laughs> straw hat with yeah. my nothing's better my than my little Tommy Bahama shirts. I'm very much a dork. So you talked about the speaking. How did this come about? What was? How did you were like? You know what? I'm gonna. I have this vision, and yeah. Yeah. So I think people are waiting to hear some incredible story about how I was inspired or that I I grew up just with this fascination for the 1920s and this uh, affinity towards the culture. So it just isn't nearly that interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the story, I I think the story is somewhat interesting, at least the way I tell it. So, you know, I started my company in 2005. And in 2006, we were doing our second production, which was at the Magic Theater. I used to work there. And David Gluck, who is now my business partner, used to be my boss. He was the general manager of the Magic Theater. And uh, I had 
weaseled my way into getting a really sweetheart deal to rent the Magic Theater for, I think, like a week or two to do mm-hmm. the show. And basically got it at like half off. So I had this, it was the only way I could afford to do a, you know, to, to do a show. But of course, we had to do all the work. You know, we had to do all the tech work. So I used to load in, you know, design the set, build the set and do the lighting design and do all this like, I mean, you know, just incredible hours. So with very little sleep and uh, very little time, we were setting up the lobby for the show. And uh, it just, it was probably, I remember it was like two o'clock in the morning and I was thinking about the the space at the Magic Theater, which has a, a lobby and a theater and like a backstage dressing room. And I thought, oh, this would be really cool if this lobby was turned into kind of like a little bar and there was like a, a guy playing ragtime music and the dressing room was kind of turned into like a little uh, little secluded casino and you had to have a password to get in. And then in the, in the main theater, we did like cabaret shows. And that was the original idea. And the original storyline was this ragtime player would be in, in love with one of the white cocktail servers. And I'd be looking at uh, an interrac- interracial relationship in the 1920s. Uh-huh. And that was it. That was the first idea. It was 2006. Okay. So I know a lot of people like to go, oh, your show's like Sleep No More. Sleep No More is a very, uh, a very big immersive show in New York. And they go, oh, you must have been inspired by Sleep No More. I, I saw it eventually, but I created the show before I'd even seen it. Uh-huh. And um, I had the idea back at, you know, a long time ago, but I sat on it for, oh, until 2012. And then 2012... Um, Brought the idea. Actually, 2010, I brought the, sh- the idea to do it as a as a gal as a fundraiser for Boxcar. Okay. We're gonna do a one night only, basically a casino night with some of these characters. And the more that we designed the gala, the more I went, "Well, this is a lot of work. I don't want to do all this work for one night. It's kind of like a show." Mm-hmm. So then I shelved it. And then in 2012, uh, the end of 2012, I I decided I was going to do it, and I kind of just put it out to the world on social media and said, "Does any is anybody interested in?" seeing this or doing this with me and got a lot of responses and i went okay i think i have something here and we started working in 2013 and we opened in 2014. Uh, and what's amazing is that the very first show did not have the storyline of the ragtime player so what's really kind of interesting is that the the first show didn't have the storyline of the of the ragtime player and the cocktail server it had the cocktail server and her story line was basically she has an opportunity to perform on stage and uh God, I can't remember now if we even did that whole story. It, it think time starts to kind of bleed, you know, uh, after some years. Yeah. But anyway, this show now has uh, Roland, who's not a ragtime player, but he's a performer. And uh, we have that scene. And it's it's been really fascinating watching that storyline develop. I don't know if you – did you get a chance to see? I did not. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Is that crazy? You were here for three and a half hours. Yeah. You don't even know what I'm talking about. It, so there's this whole storyline between Rose, one of the cocktail servers, and Roland, who's a performer. And it's a beautiful storyline. And it kind of just – it kind of touches on a little bit of, you know, how – you know, life in the 20s. And, and you know, it's – what's I think amazing is that there's a lot of stuff from the 20s that's very different than, than now. But there's also a lot of stuff that's very similar. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. we, we haven't yeah. solved – by a long shot, the uh, the race problems in in America uh-huh. in the world, or uh, homosexuality, or, uh-huh. or gender and uh, inequality, and those things, and and all of those stories have been with the show since the very beginning. Based on, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. So we have a uh, you know Charlotte is is a novelist who comes here and she's working. You know, she's, saw, yeah, saw you saw some yeah, of her. Yeah, yeah, her so she writes like some kind of racy stuff. She uh-huh, writes uh-huh. kind of uh, you know some kind of pulp fiction type stuff and erotica. Yeah, and you know it's hard for uh, you know as a, as a, being a woman you know, writing this stuff and the way that people respond to her, you know, she perverted as she, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. and even other women of the time not being sure 
about if a lady is supposed to write like this. Gotcha. So, okay. so things like that, or you know, the closet homosexual who's who's married and has kids, uh, but is really not being true to who he is. Uh-huh. So these are some of the storyline. So so some of the people who come to the show are here for theater. Yeah, you know, they like immersive theater. They like theater. They like these rich storylines, and you can find those things. But then you can also just go to the cabaret and dance and for then, like yeah. fifteen minutes That's cool. and just That's completely cool. you know learn the Charleston. Yeah, and uh, and just kind of completely ignore all of the the drama that's unfolding so that's it's, cool. it's yeah it's that's really a, that's, neat. i mean that yeah no so with all that what has been the biggest challenge of doing i mean obviously it's a huge you know project in itself but what you found maybe you know what actually i put it this way something that you didn't expect to be a, more of a challenge than you mm. thought it was oh i mean i could write a book and maybe <laughs> one day i will but uh you know what I think is really, really interesting. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious too who, who your listeners are. You know, and what they're interested. If it's, you know, other people who are starting businesses or people who are just kind of interested in business. But, you know, I started my company in 2005 with 800 dollars, and now it's a, you know, and no employees. And now I don't know. We have close to 200 employees. It's a multi-million dollar organization, and it needs to be bigger and wants to be bigger. So that's been quite a long, uh, exciting journey in the last 15 years from doing everything myself. I mean, I always had people, don't get me yeah, wrong, but, yeah. but having to do a lot of things mm-hmm. myself to having an incredible team now and uh, needing to learn how to how to manage them uh-huh. and actually be a strong leader as opposed to just a guy who goes and gets everything done. Yeah. So uh, now I need to motivate other people to get things done. So th- that, I think, on a professional level is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges and things I had to learn is, is how to communicate better with people and motivate them and inspire them and stay out of their way and let uh-huh. them do their jobs and well them to do uh, <laughs> and, and have them trust me, yeah. you know, to lead them. Yeah. And, and so I think that, that that's a big thing on a professional level, on a, on a theater level, on a show level, something I've really, you know, I started doing nonprofit theater and the nonprofit theater model is you, you put up a show, you run it for four or six or eight weeks and then you tear it down and then you do the next show and you have subscribers and you do a season and then the next show, next year you do another season and nonprofit models are tricky some would argue broken, but yet they still exist. Uh-huh. And we love them because they they foster and nurture new work and uh, important work. But it's really challenging and really hard to put up a show and, and take it down. And you're always limited in how much money you can make, which means you're limited in how much money you can spend. And so it requires funding or supporters. And uh, that's definitely one route that you know a lot of people have to do, like ticket sales or 50% of their budget or whatever. And with commercial theater, which is what I'm doing now, ticket sales is 100% of how we make our money. Mm-hmm. And so it requires people coming here and buying tickets for us to still exist. And if people don't buy tickets, then we don't exist. It's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. So running something long term, and this is the longest run I've had. I did a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch for nine months. And that had ups and downs, and everything has ups and downs. But running something for, you know, we're pushing close to two years on the remount. Because it's 2016, you've been here, correct? We've been here since 2016. Yeah, we did five months in 2014. And it was kind of proof of concept. And even this show's got proof of concept. Mm -hmm. We're looking to take it to Chicago, do some other crazy things. But uh, we never made it long enough in the first run to see who were all the people who were going to come and see it so uh, people who love this this the, the period you know uh, the, the the genre mm-hmm. immersive theater they they've come and seen the show and some of them they come back four or five six yeah. times 
love those people and see a different storyline. Oh, God, yeah, love them. Yeah, you can come ten times and you still haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is great. There's a lot of replayability and uh -huh. people like that. But there's also a lot of people who just want to come once, do it, and then leave, and that's fine too. And I think a big thing that I've learned, which has kind of been a challenging, is my perception of what I want to create, wanted to create, did create, my version of that show versus what other people's version is what it is to you versus what it is to me and you know i i started you know a little while ago i said oh who did you come with you said i came with my wife and and now i i didn't know even a year ago that this was such a huge date night mm. for people and it's the majority of the people coming are coming out for a date night yeah so then it started making me think about the show a different way if people are here for a date night how can i help make that the best romantic date night in the world. Like yeah. if you're married and you've got kids and you got to get a babysitter. Well, I've got a storyline, which I'm actually cutting now because not because I don't think it's good. Uh, I think it's very good, but it's about a young husband and wife. And uh, basically they're both presented with a chance for infidelity. And one of them takes it, one of them doesn't. And what that kind of does to their relationship. Maybe not exactly the thing that you want to watch on your romantic date night or your yeah. anniversary. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I didn't. I didn't really think about it that way. Uh -huh. And and so now I'm putting some other stuff in there that I think is equally good. For example, we just changed some of the stuff in the bar in the cabaret. V uh, Velma is our chanteuse. And uh, she used to sing songs like Mean to Me and Who's Sorry Now? You know, like, I mean, just the titles. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> Why Are You So Mean to Me? Uh -huh. And Who's Sorry Now? And we placed them with um, When You're, you know, When You're Smiling, When You're Smiling, yeah. Yeah. and Someone to Watch Over Me. And so now it's this beautiful moment where we get the entire audience to stand up and well, get all close. Were you in there for yeah, that? Yeah, 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 did yeah. you guys dance? Yeah, we danced. Wasn't yeah. that fun? Yeah, that was cool. That was so cool. a little bit better than being like, "Who's? Me why are you mean to me, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So that really came out of figuring out who, who our audience was and responding to that. So I think some people go, oh, you're cutting the best stuff from the show. And I go, well, I'm hoping that you're coming to see the show because you like what's inside my head and my ideas. Yeah. Right. So any idea I have should in theory, exactly be a good idea. As a creator, right. Yeah. As a yeah, creator. Yeah, yeah. So how about I just create an idea that's maybe a little bit closer home uh -huh. to you? Cause, and, and it's so, I mean, it gets me smiling. I'm smiling right now. Just talking about it, getting people dancing close that's to cool. each other. That's cool. That's a little bit better than people being cool like thinking about how their wife is cheating on them. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, save that for therapy. And it's know? like, you're always evolving as anything because you're, you're a creator, but at the end of the day too, you are an entrepreneur, you are a founder, you, you're, you're, you have the business side and then you have this passion to create these stories constantly and, and well what's it. nice is that they can both work in tandem right uh -huh. so uh -huh. you know as an entrepreneur you have to you have to respond to the market yeah right you have to be flexible you have to because pivot, the market yeah right? yeah, 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 yeah. I use all these big words as a creator uh as an artist uh, work goes stale uh -huh, it's okay. pretty simple it's the same thing yeah you should respond you know i mean you know van gogh didn't didn't paint the same thing you know it's like he went to this blue phase and uh -huh, he went to uh -huh. the next thing exactly. an artist is going to evolve a business mm -hmm. person is going to evolve yeah you know i mean i would argue that you know running a business is an art and that's yeah. why i love it's just as artistic to me yeah. to figure out how to connect with our audience than it is to create a show which that's is why awesome. it's so much fun to do it all together yeah and have it working together to that's say awesome. wow i can write a new scene that also help sell tickets to the show yeah. because there's people here who want to have a birthday party. Yeah. So now yeah, we have yeah. these huge groups of 10. Okay, let me create an amazing dance party and build a giant cake where I can have chorus girls popping out of the cake 
for someone who's celebrating their birthday. That's cool. And you can That's do cool. that. We have yeah, this yeah, cake. Yeah, okay. We built it. It's sitting there. Anytime somebody goes, I want, and we do it. Usually it's like, uh, like the embarrassing their boyfriend. Yeah. Or yeah. Something. Of course. Right. I want to, and we go, Oh yeah. I'll get all the chorus girls will come out. They'll get on his lap Yeah, yeah and yeah, the yeah. girlfriend's there and they're ah. just smiling and the guy's so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. incredible. Everybody else it's, loves yeah, it. Everyone else loves it. The guy's like, Oh God, <laughs> I don't know what to do. All these beautiful women exactly, around me. Right? <laughs> so what is, so with the speakeasy or even boxcar theater, what is your end goal or the, actually I should say, what's your next step? Mm, that's like, much better because goals, you know, they change. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I never would have thought that I'd be, I never thought I'd be sitting here <laughs> having this podcast right yeah, now. Yeah. I never, I never, I never presumed that would happen. Uh, I didn't know that I'd be doing immersive theater when I started out 15 years ago. I always kind of was just immersive theater. I, it wasn't even, we didn't even call it that. Immersive uh-huh. theater is like a pretty relatively new term. It used to be interactive theater. I called it experiential theater. Okay. So uh, things, you know, goals kind of change. But I'm starting to get interested in uh, themed retail and entertainment. Okay. And what does that mean? I don't know. I haven't quite figured it out. But I think it kind of fits with this new idea of a Chicago show. We've been out to Chicago twice. We're looking at different venues out there. Uh, we found this building that it was a former... It was the former flagship for the Gap store. Of course, all the retail places are shutting down. Uh-huh. Everything's going online. So now there's 70,000 square feet of prime real estate on State Street in Chicago. And there's, you know, the Apple store, the old Apple store. There's a bunch of, wow. bunch okay. of you know, it's like, a, I don't know, a Marshall Fields or something. I don't know. It's something else that's like yeah. empty. Anyway, we're looking at a lot of square footage to do the show, obviously to do a show, but bigger, like 400 or 500 people. And, but to have like a 1920s hotel on top of That'd it be cool. and a steakhouse that you can eat at beforehand, but you go through, you go through the refrigerator and you have to walk through the hanging meat and it's an elevator that goes down kind of like the haunted mansion okay. in Disneyland, uh-huh. or you go to a, an ice cream parlor and you walk through the, the freezer there, or you go into a barber shop and you can get your hair cut. And so these retail stores that are actually themed in the 1920s that are open, uh-huh. during the day as businesses because we, we pay in the real estate 24 yeah. hours a day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we should not? be using the real estate 24 hours a day, not just it's on the weekends, point. Yes. right? Right yeah. now we just come do the shows on the weekends. So yeah. we're looking at, oh, we can do event rentals. We can. I'm going to start getting into like corporate team building. Okay. I used to do some of that stuff when I had Boxcar and I didn't make any money. I did corporate team building on the side to get paid. Okay. So I wasn't the guy who ran it, but yeah. I worked it and I was like, oh yeah, we could do this stuff on a Tuesday afternoon for Google or yeah, Coca-Cola yeah, yeah. or okay. whoever. So there's a lot of other kind of offshoot businesses cool. that, that come out like we just opened the dressing room which is costume rentals and sales it's like a vintage it's okay. focused in the 1920s and 30s because we want people to dress up to come to our show so they can do costume rentals or okay. they can buy stuff or accessory yeah. packages so we opened up a business to support that and uh that's kind of our first foray into the themed retail portion okay. so i'd like to be able to do that in chicago um you know, take the same concept to London and New York and, um, you know, I kind of like tiptoeing around virtual reality. You know, it's like, I'm sure that the train is kind of leaving the station. I don't really know the technical sides Uh of that. I'm pretty analog when it comes to theater. Uh But, uh, in terms of storytelling, I've been approached by quite a few virtual reality, um, companies basically to kind of, they want to hack this show because it's the, regular film is two dimensional uh-huh. and it and it's very linear it's kind of like sitting in a theater watching a play okay but immersive theater is multi-dimensional which is similar to virtual reality okay that makes sense so they see the, the crossover oh. so there's there's uh three-dimensional storytelling that exists in immersive theater that would exist in virtual reality um but 
my opinion is that the, the technology is not quite there yet to gotcha. do the things that I actually want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once it's built, you know, uh, then I can tell a story because I can't build it. What am I yeah. going to do? Sit around, <laughs> yeah. wait, and just you tell you. Got the story. You got the you, hey, you need to figure out how to do wireframes all around, <laughs> like like do you know, do yeah. some you know stuff that I mean they were doing some of this stuff like uh, years ago, but like in film, you know, okay, like the, yeah. the Matrix and that sort of thing, like the way that they would like do bullet, you know, they, uh -huh. they call it bullet time. Remember bullet time no. in the Matrix? You remember oh, they shoot yeah, the bullets? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, and, and they would do that pan around thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's what you need to have in virtual reality. Do this kind of storytelling. You need yeah. to have three dimensional space. Uh -huh completely built but there's a problem it's called shadows and light uh -huh. and so when you move around you have to get you have to have it be um responsive okay i can't write this code i just yeah, know yeah, that yeah. it's a problem <laughs> so i can tell you what the problems are uh, until uh, someone figures out how to do then, it you're but stuck, you have a story <laughs> you're stuck sitting in a chair yeah you know and that's all virtual reality is. you're just in a chair or you're in some weird cartoon things so. Uh -huh, uh -huh. so next thing we'll actually kind of go into is more about you just you as a creator in itself, like as far as what do you do to kind of get your mind right as far as like- <laughs> Get my mind well, right. In a sense of like- Peyote because you have a lot, the, you have, Joshua. <laughs> right, you have, I mean, you, you have these visions and these creations and just like any any other creator, right? But how do you kind of balance it? I mean, are you coffee drinker? Are you, you meditate? Do you, just to kind of get yourself like, all right. I don't know. You know, uh, inspiration comes in a lot of different forms. Mm -hmm. I. Uh, I'm inspired by other people. Uh, that's that's for sure. If I uh, if I go and see something, I went to Detroit last year and saw this incredible event. It's hard to call it. A, it's a production. It's not a show, but it's an event called uh, Theater Bazaar. Okay. And the guy who runs it, uh, well, there's a lot of people who run it. So, but one of the guys who's in charge of it, uh, Jason McCombs, really nice guy. He came and saw our show, and I met him, and he started talking about his thing. I was like, that sounds cool. I'm going to go see it. And so we went out there and completely inspired by the scope of what they're doing. And uh, we went to this, and it inspired me to do, they, they, we went to this thing that was like on a Friday night and it was, you know, they, they did a gala on a Friday. So we went to it and we had a dress up and, you know, I brought my tux and my tails and I like being in that with my silk top hat. Uh -huh. We had to wear a mask. It was a masquerade. But the party itself was completely, it was this whole other thing that I would go, I wouldn't attempt to do myself. Okay. But- the idea of dressing up and being in a masquerade in a, in a mask, I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I could do that in San Francisco and do a totally different event, uh -huh. a completely different event. Yeah. And so I actually just called him and I said, Hey man, I'm, uh, you know, I was like, <laughs> I'm not stealing your idea, but yeah. uh, the idea of like wearing a mask seemed really cool. I think that seemed pretty innocent. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not rocket science, yeah. but it did inspire me. And so now we're kind of doing this midnight masquerade that's got burlesque performers in it. And it's kind of like an eyes wide shut. You know, there's like okay. uh, bondage exhibitions and, and dominatrix. And, oh, that's cool. And I think it'll be a really fun, fun evening. Uh, um, and so that's something we're going to do in October. And, you know, the, the impetus of this was, was this event that I saw in Detroit. And then I was talking about it on the way to the airport. We were in, um, David, my business partner and I were in, uh, um, uh, oh God, Tor uh, Toronto. <laughs> I'm like, what? One of those Canadian cities. <laughs> uh, they're, yeah, they're all the same to me. <laughs> Toronto. And we were heading to the airport and we started talking about this event and our, our Lyft driver said, I can't. I, I can't listen to this any longer. Like, what are you guys talking about? This event sounds cool. He didn't know if it was real or not, uh -huh. but uh, we started explaining what we were doing. And he goes, oh, you know, I went to this uh, music hall, uh, music concert, and they had... <laughs> 
we're not doing this, but they basically <laughs> had like a room that you could go into for like 15 minutes. You pay to go in there so you can like have sex in the middle of this oh, music, really? okay. music concert, but it's like a huge but festival. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they clean the room and it's like totally yes. a place that you go and have sex for 15 minutes. That's crazy. But he said there were, uh, there were these really kind of very attractive women dressed up as nuns on the outside and they protected the doors. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, we're not doing the room, but I like this idea of like really attractive nuns and priests who are walking around. And so I took that idea from the cabbie, uh-huh. right? And said, okay, but and they're going to give spankings to people and they're going to kind of tickle people <laughs> because I just think that'll be cool. Uh-huh. So I don't know. These are little examples. Like where does inspiration come yeah. from? It comes from everywhere. If you're, if you're open That's- to it. If you're you're looking for it, sometimes I'm inspired when I'm in the middle of getting a massage and I can actually rest my my brain for a second Uh and an idea will come in and I'll go, oh my God, we have to change our, our entire branding strategy is wrong, you know? And then I'll go, guys, I've got this idea, (laughs) hear me out. So um, I don't know, you kind of, you got to kind of follow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as far as um, you kind of took, because you said massage, so activities and hobbies. <laughs> I mean, like what, I mean. I had a great massage today. You, <laughs> Did you? Oh right, my God. a joke? This guy was incredible. So, I mean, is that, well, besides massages as an activity, <laughs> yeah, uh, is there well. any other, I mean, besides out of work, is there anything that you do that? Uh, uh, I, I mean, I really do try to, I, I probably work, I don't know, 16, 17 hours a day or yeah. something. So uh, I do get massages and uh, I do um, have a guy, who, who a good friend of mine who gives me polarity therapy if you don't know polarity therapy it's i don't know it's, it sounds my i was talking to my 15 year old nephew about it he's like sounds like voodoo I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> no but it's um you know just trying to i think i think the you know the mind's like a pot roast it's got to rest you know yeah. you can't just go carving it up yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's just it's got to sit for 10 minutes and you are and you obviously you love what you do so it's in essence it's god there's it's, no reason why i'd be doing like this yeah right life. so it's it's in essence this i mean I guess the best thing in the world is, you know, getting paid or doing what you're doing as a hobby that you get paid for. Right? Well, you know, here's the thing is I, I'm going to do it anyway. If okay. I if I wanted to go get a job and make, you know, six figure income and I'd really like to have one of those one day. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm not too concerned. I could I could do it. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's it's very rare that people get to do the thing that it is that they like to do. I mean, yeah. here you are, you're doing this podcast, yeah. like number six or number seven, Yeah, but you got to start somewhere. Exactly. You do it because you love doing it. Exactly. And I would do shows with eight people in the house. Uh-huh. Sometimes we, I did a show once we canceled it because there was literally more people on stage and there was only six people on stage and there was one person in the house. And instead we sat down and we talked about, you know, and I knew the guy too. I mean, it was even worse than that. And it was like a free show. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any worse than that. And so instead we talked about theater in San Francisco. And this was like 10 years ago. And and San Francisco is not a theater town. It's uh-huh. never really been a theater town. You know, it's not New York. It's not Chicago. It's not London. It's not even LA. And it's I, I said then, and I still believe, I go, I don't even know if theater is like one of the top 10 things that ranks in someone's lifestyle. If I said, what do you like to do? on a night, how many people say theater? They say, oh, I'll go see a Giants game, I'll go to a bar, uh-huh. you know, we'll go out to we'll go out to Dolores Park. And so I started going, my competition's Dolores Park and Netflix. You know, I gotta yeah. beat that. And yeah. so it it changed me and to become, okay, I gotta be a great night out for people. Huh. It's gotta be so much yeah. fun. And I can't just have people sit in stuffy old chairs watching stuffy old, you know, dead playwrights, uh-huh. you know, and watching their stuff. So I got to make this interesting and it's got to be interesting for me too. So I got to take what I love and combine it with what other people love Perfect. and yeah. do that. But 
so many people don't even do the thing that they love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're stuck in whatever job it is that they're doing. And you know, maybe what they love is going out on their boat on the weekend. Yeah. And so it makes the other five days worth it. I don't own a, I don't own a boat, so I don't get to do that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I get to do what I like doing, you know, six days a week and I take Sundays off. Yeah. You know, if it was good enough for the Lord, it's good enough for me, right? There you I can go. take a day off. But, you know, I, I imagine that there's, if the idea is good and uh, the people who are working on the idea are good, uh, someone someone will figure it out. Someone someone will come along who can say, this is a pretty good idea. Like, yeah. how about, how about, you know, I, I do, I mean, I always say if, if, if Disney came along tomorrow and said, hey, I'll buy this from you, I go, all right, sign here. Yeah. Because I've got like 10 more great ideas there you go. that I yeah. would love to do. Yeah. You know, it's this is just one of them. This isn't the thing I plan to do with the rest of my life, although it's shaping up to be that way. But, you know, there I, I would love to 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 produce other shows and have other projects. And, you know, I, I'm still when I was 15, I wanted to open up a deli and I still would like to have my deli, that's cool. that's you know, cool. that hasn't changed. That's I want to awesome, be man. I want to be the guy in the back who's cutting me. Yeah. But going, you still have those going, you know, how's your mother? Man. Yeah, yeah, tell her I said hi. Yeah. You know, I want to be uh, that guy. There you go. Yeah, have an extra meatball on me. <laughs> <laughs> so the like really the the last question I always like to ask, um, it's almost it's finished the sentence and it's very simple two words. Nick is Oof. Um <laughs> what is this is such a well, this is okay. There's like there's about a hundred things that come to mind. The first one that came to mind, but it's more of a joke. Uh Nick is tired. I'm very tired. Yeah, okay. No, I would say Nick is um I think Nick is very grateful. I'm very grateful that I get a I get to be doing what I get to do. And I hope that I get to keep doing it. And uh, I think anyone who gets to do the thing it is that they like doing should feel grateful. And if you're not, you need to go do something else. Awesome. That's awesome. So then getting a hold of you, I don't know if you do social media as far as individually or, um, oh, or and, um, and also how does someone get tickets? What's the process of getting tickets? So to, to get these? tickets, um, so that's relatively easy. You go to our website, mm-hmm. which is um, www thespeakeasysf.com thespeakeasysf.com and I'll make sure I, I'll, have nice it. I'll have it on there yeah. as far as and um, in terms of finding me when I want to be found yeah I um, know that's what I, so I was like <laughs> that's what I put it I was like if you do socially I don't do social I, I mean I barely I I, I check Facebook I, I, I started doing I started doing the, the tweeters okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I thought oh this might be kind of interesting to connect with other immersive theater people around the world uh-huh. in immersive theater on Twitter and as it turns out there's really not that many people who do immersive theater who okay. are on Twitter so <laughs> I basically just like uh, follow William Shatner and Henry Winkler okay, I, see, I love right. seeing what they post and Neil Patrick Harris is like I'm just like what am I doing on this platform so yeah yeah, you could find me there, I okay. suppose. But I mean, the good old fashioned way is is just shooting an email to the company, uh-huh. you know, the box office. They'll forward it to me. That's cool. And All right. Yeah. You know, I try to connect with people who have shared interests. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for taking the time out today and joining us on the Scotch Yeah, Fire thanks podcast. for having me. And, and uh, go see the show. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Go see the show. All right. Thank you. <laughs>